0: Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. Through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here, we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. Musicians, this one is called. It's going to be a couple services in it. On it, I may change it next week and switch it up a little bit, but it's called Truth and Tears Jesus offers us truth and tears in life heartaches. And it's a title I come up with. I think about the verses, think about things, and it's kind of how I come up with titles. So I'm going to read the text, but it's a very interesting story. I read it last week briefly. I'm going to read a little bit more today. It's a story most of you know pretty well. It's Lazarus. He dies. Mary and Martha's brother. But I'm, we're going to focus on in a moment that, because it's something we all need. Jesus, when he goes to Mary and Martha, Martha, he tells Martha one thing, and he tells Mary something different, even though Mary and Martha say the exact same thing to Jesus. The exact same words were used. Martha says, Jesus, if you had, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary says the exact same things, but Jesus doesn't respond to both people the same way. Because I, in life, in life's heartaches, I think we need both of what he's going to give. We need many things, but there's two things that will stand out. And I'm going to cover just uh, something this morning, the, how he deals with them and how, what he speaks to them. And so let's just read the text when we get into this because we're going to need these things as you and I live for God and navigate through life, especially through life's heartaches. And I would say, especially in light of our times, so many things are happening so quickly. As I'm speaking here, we could, we could we literally we could go home and find out we've been declared war on. Russia maybe declared war on us or we declared war on Who knows? China said they may join Russia. Who, who knows all that's going on. Any moment, so many things can change your life like that. But even if none of that changes, just in America, it's crazy. And let's get real, even in your family, it's crazy. (laughs) So you think, how do we get through all of this stuff? And what do we need? What do we need to hold on so we can make it? Well, what's great about Jesus? Jesus knows exactly what we need to hold on. And if you and I would hold on to what Jesus gives, not what I give, but what Jesus gives, we can make it through this stuff. And really, that's what he's talking about. You're going to get through heartache. There's some things you're going to need. You're going to need some things. Let's read the text. Luke, I mean, John chapter 11. The Bible says, Now a certain man was zeal, <clears throat> Lazarus of Bethany, a village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with, a, uh, with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was zeal. So a sister sent to him, saying, Lord, whom you love is zeal. Verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, so he, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, I believe that you are the son of God. And when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And when she came, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. A little different response from her than her her sister. She fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same words, exact same words. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord. Verse 25, 35, it says, and Jesus wept. So just as an intro for a moment, there are things in our story we're going to get to, but Jesus offers something that it's, we don't always get real good with ourselves. He He gives Martha the ministry of truth. He gives Mary the ministry of tears. And at different moments in our life, we need different things. Sometimes we need truth spoken to us. Sometimes we just need someone to have compassion and weep with us. One man said it like this. If you give confrontation to someone who needs support or support when someone needs confrontation, or if you give confrontation at the time when they need support and support at the time they need a confrontation, you actually harm them. The problem with human counselors, you and I are all limited. Unlike Jesus, Jesus is not limited. He knows everything about us. He is the Isaiah 9 says that he is what the wonderful counselor, the prince of peace. He knows exactly what we need, exactly what to be said to us. He knows the exact words to speak to us. He knows exactly what to do. He is the best counselor in the world. Human, you and I are flawed. We we try, and I thought to myself last night I was thinking about it. Me you know, every one of us, we try to help people. All of us, we're trying to lead people to Christ. We're trying to see people live for God for a while. And, and I remember a number of times just counseling people. You know, and sometimes people ask for counsel, but they don't want the truth. And other times, people just want the tears, but they don't want the truth. There's an order to this. There's a way to do it. There's a way to deal. There's a way to speak. And we all learn in the process. But I, I was thinking about one couple Actually, I thought about a couple people. and One was a couple. I remember meeting in that back room. I was traumatized by it because I still remember it today. But anyway, I mean, a pastor from back east is calling me right now. I'm not going to answer. He needs to be watching the service. But anyway, he, we're back there talking. They said, Pastor, we're going to talk to you about our marriage, our family, our home. Our kids and I said, okay, it was just me. So we met back there, and we're there talking. <clears throat> and I, they lay out all the problems. They had a problem with their kids and problems with their marriage, problems and finances, and not having enough money, and not enough time. And they went on and on and on. I just listened to them first. You know, I let them all talk and they get it all out. And I said, so what's your take on this? I said, well, I mean, um, uh, well, I think you guys may have to. It sounds like you no money. Uh, i couldn't tell him to go see elliot he wasn't here then but i I said well you have no you have very little money i said, yeah well you might have to turn in your new car and get an older car I said, well okay what else i said you might have to leave the house that you're in because you can't afford it to maybe get a little smaller house because i said why do you have to have that house they said well we have i want because i've always wanted this house i said but you have no time for your kids or your family And they said, oh, no, no, that's getting like it is now. (laughs) And I said, well, and so you guys don't have time for your kids. You don't have time for your marriage. You don't have time. You have no time. But you have all these things. I said, it's pretty simple. You're materialistic. I said, you guys love things more than you love each other or your own kids. I gave them some truth. I didn't yell at them. I didn't do that. I just listened to them. I talked. I said that to them like I just said to you. They really liked it. They got up and left. I never saw them again. I don't know if they're married today. I hope they are. Another time, people have. Make sure I wrote it down here, because I really want to get you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, there's been other times where people have been involved. In the church going to accounts with me you know, one guy was involved he's a singer he's not here now it's no one in the church if I say something you go who is it is it he is it I is it he and I know people are start looking around oh he's talking about him <laughs> they're not even here no more okay but they're singing they did a great job and I said hey uh, I noticed we uh, it was brought to my attention that you you don't even support the church you don't tithe and he said well no I said then you can't sing no more. If you're involved in ministry, I think you at least support your church that you say you attend. I mean, especially if you can be involved. Okay, it's one thing just to come every now and then, I get that. But if you can be involved and say, This is my church, you ought to support your church. He you said, Well, I, I, I've never had to be like this before. And I said, Well, I don't know about all that before stuff, but you're here now and this is what you're doing. And if you want to continue, this is what you've got to do. And he left too. Another man was. In church, this guy was a funny one because he's a big guy. He's like 245 pounds, strong as an ox. He's, he was like Will, that big of a guy, huge. And he's talking one day with me. He says, Pastor, I want to get in ministry, and I want to be involved in the church, and so what do I need to do? And this guy's big. I said, well, I said, first of all, I said, so what you tell me? Just I want you to speak straight to me. Give it to me straight. You know people are. Give them straight, and they can't handle your will. <laughs> and I said, okay, big boy. I said, I said, well, first of all, you're not very faithful to church. You don't ever come to prayer. You never hear on Saturday morning for prayer with the other men. You come in late. You leave early. I said you're not a very good example. I think I think before you get involved in anything, I think you probably ought to be a good example. Well, at that time, now I'm at That time we had a sister here. If you might remember her, I'm not gonna mention her name, but she did the sounds. Very faithful girl. I mean, she was she was like a, a, a female version of Tim okay faithful always here always count on her and i said you know what you can do follow her example because at the time she was one of what she was one of the best men in the church and i told her i told her i said that i said that from the pulpit she's one of the best men in the church you guys need to follow her she was a good example listen listen to me a good example is still a good example period he got offended and he left too so i better watch it right because i don't want you all to leave i want you to come back But trying to help people, counsel people, it's like sometimes it's not like that. But Jesus Christ, what's beautiful about Christ, unlike you and I, he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how to say it. He understands us when no one else understands us because we've all had, because you and I are people, we're flawed. We mean well. We speak into someone's life. We speak the wrong thing at the wrong time the wrong way often. And we don't mean to. We're trying to help them. The Bible says in Hebrews, we have a high priest who, cannot, who can sympathize with our weakness, who is tempted into all things like you and I, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. We have someone you and I can go to, he is the perfect counselor. He's the one when people are grieving. He's the one when hearts are messed up. He's the one when families are fighting, nothing's going right. He's the one that can come into a scene, come into a human heart and change everything because that's what Jesus does. Some of the thoughts here is, it's called truth and tears. But in this story, there's Mary and there's Martha. And you look at this. And you can try to make some sense out of this, but there's some things that I think is important for you and I to get. Unlike you and I, when Jesus comes on the scene or comes into a situation, he comes in with two things you and I do not have. Number one, he comes in, and first thing, he comes in knowing why it happened. He comes into a situation, he knows why it happened, he knows the purpose of it. He knows how he's going to turn it into something good for the glory of God he knows exactly what is going to. Do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. In our story, he knows that in 10 minutes, he's going to completely reverse the situation. They're going to go from weeping, they're going to have their brother back. In 10 minutes, everything is going to change. So when he goes into a situation like this, he knows all these factors. We know none of these things. The second thing is besides that, he knows that he could do something about it. He goes knowing what's gone on. He knows the purpose of it. And he knows what he's going to do about it. Unlike you and I, we see it. We don't know why it happened. And we know there's times, most of the time, ain't nothing we can do about it. But he can. Which brings me to this. I thought, you know, if you were Jesus and you were going to go into this situation... If you were to go in this situation, the brothers has died, Lazarus, and you know that within 10 minutes he's going to live. Why would you weep? Why would Jesus take time to weep? I'm going to turn this whole thing around in just literally a few minutes, 10 minutes. One commentator said it was like a 10-minute ordeal. Ten minutes, I'm going to change this whole circuit. Circ- it makes no psychological sense that if you, you know in your mind you can change everything around in ten minutes, what would you do? I thought I, I, maybe you wouldn't do this, but I think most guys have egos. You know, I kind like, of like to prove ourselves. I remember years ago I had a mountain bike. I just thought of this. I was with Nate, my youngest son at the time, and I was dad, and he was my young boy, and I, I was sure what dad can do on this mountain bike i thought the mountain bike had wings it didn't and so there's this big there's this big uh like a river not a river it's like a it looked like a river by our house like a little wash area it went down had a hill on top you know it went here down in the hill and i said i'm gonna take my bike get it going fast son watch me and i'm gonna fly right over that land i said watch it okay dad okay dad you know nate nate's like i'll figure this out hmm mm-hmm. we watch him I don't think so dad mm-hmm so watch this Nate and I got going real, real fast and shoo and I didn't make it very far at all I went bam I wrecked bad, smashed my my rim and everything I went to prove something and I got up and I said oh, son that didn't work no kidding Nate you know tell Nate that and I know dad dad that didn't work and Nate said dad don't do that again please If you and I were like this, you and I would walk into it and you'd look around, Mary, and Martha, and go, "You guys, I got this." God <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> Can you say God? <laughs> I mean, you would have walked in there like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey stop the weeping." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 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 pastor's here. <laughs> Yeah, watch this, you guys. Hey, hey, gather around. That's that's what we would have did, right? You, I don't think we'd walked in. Did Jesus walks in? He's gonna change the whole thing in just a few minutes. But he chooses, and he weeps. And to me, this is so important. He knew he had the power to change everything in a few moments. He chooses to weep because that's perfect love and that's the perfect counselor. That's the perfect God. That's who he is. He chooses to enter in to that domain, to that arena of grief, heartache, and pain. That's the God we serve. Yeah, I know I'm going to change it in a moment, but it doesn't take away the pain right this minute. So he, he chooses to enter in. To that pain, so much so that God Himself will begin to weep. One version says, I'll get to it next week, maybe. He burst into tears, begin to weep from his heart. So why would God be weeping? Because he cares, he feels what you feel. You've heard it said, you may have said it. How many times have you said does God feel? Does God know what I'm going through? Oh, does He know what you're going through? Does he know what you're going through? He chooses to enter in because that's who he is. He couldn't help it, but enter in because that's who he is. The pain, the brokenness, the death, the weeping, he comes and he says, I'm going to enter this. I'm with you. Right now, and I hope I can communicate what I'm feeling well enough that you get what I'm trying to say. Right now in the world, oh, so many things are going on, and people are polarized. But a lot of the polarization is because of sin, but we don't look at it like that. There's sin, there's things that happen and going on in the world. There's hard, like, people get shot, and people get killed, and I'll get to that later, but in a moment but it's all these things going on and our tendency is not to be like jesus our tendency is oh, i gotta get out of here this is too much pain there's too much uh, c- crimes going crazy we gotta move out we gotta quit doing this i mean i can't believe you live all the you, you can't believe how many times i've heard people tell me i can't believe you live in Marino valley when i first got here 30 years ago the place i chose to live was at that time was one of the worst parts parts of Marino valley to live in it was the most crime pl- some of the cops wouldn't even go to that area because it was so bad Why'd you go there? Because I ain't got no money. <laughs> anyway, that's why I went there. But anyway, I went there. A part of it, I thought, well, I'm gonna go there because that's the greatest need. Fast forward 30 years later, today, people are all they're thinking about, they're not thinking about entering in to help. They're not thinking about entering to bless. They're not thinking of entering into anyone's pain, but themselves. I want to run from this pain. I'm going, to, I'm going to get away from this. And we look at it the wrong way. I mentioned to my wife, I, I thought I saved it. I did. I couldn't find it. But it was an 85-year-old black man that was either jumped by two other black people, 85-years-old, uh, well-dressed man. He gets jumped at a CVS. I don't know all that happened. They robbed him or something. Then they run over his body, killed him. Thank God they caught these two people. But we look at that, and what happens? First thing that happens, we say, "How can someone do that?" And we get mad at the sinner, right? We get mad at the man who did this. Say, "How can you guys do this?" And we say, "If it happened here more, if crime went up in the Merino Valley, let's say twenty or thirty percent, so we got to get out of here." That's what happens. But that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus says, "I'm not going to run away. In fact, I'm going to enter. I'll leave the most best place in the world to live called heaven." And I'm coming down, I'll live with them. I'm going to enter in to humanity. That's what we're called to do in this city, by the way. Not be a people that oh, worry about our safety, or our little thing, my little world. No, no. The, the total opposite, we're called to be like Jesus. Jesus chose, and you must choose, I'm going to choose to enter in the pain of other people. Why, Why would you do that? Because that's what Jesus did. Run away? No. Enter in. Think about myself. What I want. You you, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You can't. No, no. Hold on. Stop. Stop. Enter in. You enter by literally being there for that person, or that family, or that couple, or that person that doesn't have anything, you try to help them out. You enter in, and it's so easy to live a life that's kind of isolated, and we're not entering nowhere, just doing our thing, come to church, go, go and not entering nothing, just live, 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 that's it. No, Jesus came. He entered your life. And the story, right, just we're reading is exactly what he does. I choose to enter in your pain. I'm, I choose to enter in. I ain't running from this. I'm going to feel what you feel, and I care enough to feel what you feel, enough that it's going to move me to act, which we know he did. I get to. So here's what I call the truth, the truth about life, and reasonable expectations that outcome when the outcome is unreasonable. John 11, it says that Lazarus was ill. The sister sent to him saying, you love this man. He's zeal. That's all they said. They didn't say, Jesus, come. They said, Jesus, you love this guy, and he's zeal. They thought, just that alone, that he knows Lazarus well. He loves him, knows him. He, if he just hears that he's sick, surely he's going to come because, hey, man, strangers reach out to this guy, and they get healed. Surely he's going to be helping someone that he knows, right? And so they say, whom you love is sick. They were hoping, obviously, that Jesus would come. But then the Bible simply says he loved Martha, and he loved Lazarus, and he loved his sister Mary, and so he stayed two days longer. Now the version says when he heard this, that he was sick, indeed he remained in that place for two days. The idea there, it was very intentional. I heard he's sick. Uh, I'm not going to go now. I need him to die. And that makes no sense to us. And he stayed where he was at for two more days. Jesus, we need you to come. He hangs out with the disciples, goes down to Starbucks, and he drinks espressos. What are you doing? Where is Jesus? Oh, he's at, he's at, he's at, he's at Starbucks. What's he hanging out with there? Oh, he's sitting down Vince. They're hanging out. They'll be there all night. They're with, they're with all the young guys. They'll be there. Well, didn't he get the message? Didn't he read the messenger? I sent him a DM. Didn't he, didn't he get it? How, where is he at? And Jesus just hangs out for two days. That just it makes no sense. I love you so much, I want to forget you. That's like last week, we just finished Christmas. Carmen, I love you so much, I didn't get you no gifts. That's how much I love you. You're like, this doesn't make sense. Jesus says, I'm going to go awaken him. Then you know, the disciples... You know, said, so, "Well, he's he's sleeping, Lord. He no big deal." Jesus talking to the disciples. The disciples literally think Jesus is talking about him sleeping. Then he says, "I'm going to go wake him up." And say, well, the disciples aren't getting it. He, Jesus talking about him being dead. Jesus probably thought, "You guys really think I'm, I'm going to go after two days I'm just go wake him from his nap? Come on, what do you guys think I'm doing? What's wrong with you guys? He's not sleeping. He's dead." And Jesus said plainly to them, "He's dead." And Jesus comes. Now, we know this. You've heard me refer to it before. I've preached on this message many times or on this text. Jesus gets there, verse 17. Lazarus had already been dead for four days. The Jews believed, most of you know this, the common belief that when someone died, their spirit would hang around for about three days, then go to heaven. So Jesus waited four days. He's doing this on purpose. You know, sometimes our theology needs to be broken. And Jesus waits to the fourth day. And really, what he was doing when he showed up was saying, on the fourth day, they knew the man was really dead. Jesus said, Well, he's dead, dead, dead. And made no mistake about it. I'm coming when he's dead. So that's why he waited. So he comes. Martha said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died same thing we all have and that's basically god where are you at where are you at in all this thing you could have fixed this why didn't you come all this could have been avoided things like this didn't have to happen if you had just showed up on time we wouldn't be going through all this grief the fact that he did what he did is a message to us that we miss the obvious message is that god will allow and god will allow trouble and pain to come in your life on purpose i stayed back for two days i knew what you were going to go through in his loving plan for our life oftentimes you and i will experience trouble and suffering and the hardness of life and you and I have a hard time with this. People have a hard time with this because they think, you know, oh, I gave my life to Christ. And now if I have any need, he's just going to show up and meet the need. And life is does not. It's not like that. I've been to the hospital not a lot with people before COVID. Talked to someone, other, other people that have been in the church years back that have moved away different uh, times been there, in the hospital bed. Sometimes people are newly converted. Sometimes people have been saved for a long time. Same thing. Well, I feel good about this, Pastor. I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be well. And they don't, they don't make it out of the hospital. Others say, I just gave my life to Christ, Pastor. Now it's more difficult now than it's ever been. It's not supposed to be this way. I thought, I thought when I gave my life to Jesus, things would just start, beginning to work out naturally, work out in the flow, and to get better and to get better. Well, a lot of times in life, it, that's not what happens. And this text proves exactly what I'm saying. And later on, Jesus will give an explanation for it, but I'll get to that later. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know you will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And he asked her, do you believe this? So here's the two reactions that we have to get or understand in our own life. Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary, both say the exact same thing, but both of them, he responds to them different. Martha, he gives Martha the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who lives and believes in me will never die. He gives her practical theological truth. This is what you need to believe and really believe, Martha. Truth. Sometimes what people need is practical truth about what you believe. I remember our sister Jenny, who ended up dying of cancer, type of cancer. She was very young. I think she was in her 20s. Coming to this church, I'm at her bedside when she was in hospice. I'm by her bed. And she says, as her body's withering away, she says, Pastor, is heaven real? I'm going to die. Is it really real? I said, well, so what's it like? I said, well, I said, not a lot is written about it. I said, I've never been there <laughs> yet. Yeah, I hope I get there. I said, I said but it's a real place. I said, she goes, how do you know it's real, Pastor? I said, because it's in the book. I said, the pain you feel now, you won't always feel. Sometimes what we need to get through, the pain, is just simply the truth of what we believe. And that's what Jesus gives her. He he gives her truth. And so I'm going to talk briefly about the truth about life and eternity. Sometimes people just need truth. And we all know that God works everything, and there are some things that God can only demonstrate about himself through the world is through pain. There's no other way. There's certain, there are only certain things you can get, and whatever, I don't get it, and I don't understand it now. But the process is there's some pain, and there is some suffering, and there are many setbacks. But overall, we know the Bible says he works all things according to the counsel of his will. That somehow, through all this pain and all that goes on, God, I want to work it all out for my will for the good. We don't grasp that. I don't think we can. Jesus asked Martha quickly, I am the resurrection of life. Do you believe this? Now, when you and I go through things, just give me a few more minutes here. We have to, I say a storyline, I don't know if that's the best way to say it. We have to come up with a storyline in order for it to make sense. In other words, if I'm going to make it through this, I need to have a storyline. So people come up with their own storyline. This happened because of this. That's what people do. That's how we navigate through life. But a lot of times the storyline we come up with so it makes sense. Because if we don't have a storyline, then it don't make sense. It leads us into confusion. So we all come up with storylines. Oh, this happened because of this. How do you know that? Well, the truth is, you don't know that. And many times, the storylines that we come up with are not even biblically based. They're emotionally based, but they're not biblically based. They're just a storyline. Example quickly, Job's friends. Job's life, I I mentioned last week, his life begins to unfold. Everything can go wrong begins to go wrong. Loses his money, gets disease. His children die. I mean, everything imaginable happens to this man. And his friends walk in and they walk in and they basically say to Job, clearly you're not living right. And if you simply would be living right, none of this would be happening to you. That was the storyline. He didn't, unlike Job's friends, they didn't accuse him. Jesus does not come and say, Martha, Mary, can I tell you guys the truth? You you guys brought this on yourself. You're sinners. You guys haven't been living. Come on. This happened? There's a reason why he just died and he's being so young. This is tragic, but there's a reason. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say anything to, to God about what happened. And God, why did this man die? He he's not mad at God. Uh, he's been cut off, and his life is young. He's been cut off. That makes no sense. He doesn't. Those storylines. He doesn't. He uses none of those like we use them. Things happen in the world. And yes, let me clarify this. Yes, God is going to judge all mankind. Yes, there is a day every one of us listening to me here and watching will stand before God and give an account for their life. That's clear for our sins, how we lived, what we do with his son, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. But things happen across the world. Tornadoes. And yes, sometimes there are, uh, I don't understand it, but things happen. Or we can even say 9-11. When 9-11 happened, there's voices all across America saying, God is judging America. Do you know that in that tower, there are a lot of born-again, loving people? Who love. There are a lot of good Christians that died that day, too. And, and people say, well, well, God, well that's a storyline you came up with. But we have to come up with a storyline. It has to make some sense to us. God's punishing. You've been immoral. And we blame the victims. You had it coming. That's what we say. But that's not biblical thinking. How do you decide if God's mad at you or God's pleased with you? Most Americans, most American Christians, they make a decision on their life based on how their life is going. If their life is going good, God is pleased with them. If their life is not going so well, then God must be mad at them. But that's not biblically based. In fact, it's almost the opposite if you really think about it. My dad used to say to me when things would happen, his life had all kinds of problems later on in life. He'd say to me, Son, I think God's getting me. I think God's getting me because I was a youth. I did a lot of bad things to people. You and you can't tell by looking at me, but believe it or not, my dad was a gang member before there was gang members. He was in I think Seventh Street gang. He had a tattoo on his shoulder. Isn't that crazy? A tattoo gang guy produced me? I mean. And I remember after I got, first got saved, at first he didn't like me getting saved. He wanted me to be this. He wanted me to do this. wanted me to be a police officer. He wanted me to be a fireman. A lot of things I wanted to do too, but not just things happen in life. My burden changed for people. I didn't plan to do this. It was never in my plans at all. But as time went on, he was proud of me. It only took 30 years. <laughs> he brought some of his closest friends to some of the church services. But I told him as a dad, when things would happen to him, an accident, financial, just mad things would just go on. His body, he, yeah, he's scary. He yes, hasn't I'm telling you, God's getting me. He says, Dad, God got his son for you. You know, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe not. I said, no, no, trust me. Dad, his son died for you. I said, this isn't happening. You can't say it because you're a bad person 30 years ago. This is why that's happening today. That's the storyline people come up with. I know a really good guy that lived a very, very hard life. His name was Jesus. Can we all agree you live the best life? human being could ever live on this earth as far as who he was and how he lived but he lived a very short life 33 years three years in the ministry that's a very short amount of time in ministry he died they gave him a borrowed grave he lived in poverty mostly he was not wealthy clothes that he wore were wealthy someone gave him those clothes by all standards he's dies in a borrowed grave he's poor he's rejected by the very ones who came to save and even his good friends betray him. He died a very violent death. In fact, they tortured him. And the people that tortured him were his enemies that he came to die for. It doesn't sound like he lived a very good, doesn't sound like he lived an easy life. He lived a very hard life. How do you judge if God's pleased with you or not pleased with you? Well, that's how we go by but the Bible says something a little different. Psalms 106, verse 15, it says, He gave them what they wanted, but he sent leanness into their soul. Psalm 78 says, So they ate, and they were filled. They were filled. I, I, I don't need nothing else. I was filled. He gave them what they craved for, and they became a curse to their own life. Psalm 73. Do I, I got five more minutes? Psalm 73, the Bible says, And this is actually i believe a song leader song leaders go through a lot of battles see why because they bring the people of god into the presence of god the song leader says this i nearly lost my confidence my faith was almost gone because i was jealous of the proud when i saw the things go well for the wicked they do not suffer pain they are strong and healthy they do not suffer as other people do they, have, they don't have troubles like other people's have. So they, and they wear their pride like a necklace and violence like a robe. Their hearts pour out evil and their minds are busy with wicked schemes. They laugh at others and speak evil of things. They're proud and make plans to oppress others. They speak evil of God in heaven and give arrogant orders to everyone upon the earth. Verse 12, this is how the wicked live. They have plenty and they're always getting more and more and more. The psalmist sees this The song leader look at it and say they get everything they could ever want. And then it says this in verse 10 to go back so that even the people of God begin to turn their hearts and believe what they're saying. Revelations 3, so you say you're rich, wealthy, don't need anything. You don't realize that you're miserable, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, when, when, when you have everything, that's how to stay self-sufficient. That's how to stay, I'm my own man. I do my own thing. I don't need anyone else but myself. I'm rich. I got money. I don't need anything. Yeah, that's how you stay selfish. That's how you stay arrogant. And that's how you stay not so smart. But that, and that's how you stay proud and, and you die without God. Because you honestly think, this is how how I got everything. No, you you don't have the Lord, and you're going to meet God one day. The Bible says in the book of Luke 13, they come to Jesus. There's two particular tragedies that happen. I'm going to have to end here soon. A couple more minutes, and that's it. Two tragedies. They come to Jesus. One was a political massacre. You, you might remember it. Pilate killed, killed some people, a bunch of people. Another one was a tower that fell on 18 people, Luke 13. And the Bible says, <clears throat> they asked Jesus, do you think the Galileans are worse enemies, worse sinners than the other people? Jesus is speaking. Jesus asked, is this why they suffer? Jesus answers, not at all. All of you, too, will perish unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Then they say, well, what about the 18 people who died at the tower that fell on them? Were, were, they, were they the worst sinners of all of them? Jerusalem? Jesus says, no, not at all. In fact, you need to repent yourself. In other words, he doesn't take that card, that storyline. That happened because of this. No, he, he doesn't even go there. In fact, he gets mad at the fact that you ask it. What he's really saying is, every one of us are sinners. So, how do you know of God I'm pleased with you? Well, read your Bible. So what do you mean, read my Bible? Matthew twenty two, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, do you? The Bible says this is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is love your neighbor as yourself. How do I know God loves me? I'm living a life that's pleasing to God. I'm giving an honest effort to love God. You say, how do you know God loves me? I'm, love, I'm doing as best I can to love my wife, to love my church. Sometimes it's really hard. But anyway, <laughs> Lord, they drive me crazy. I've told the Lord, they're going to drive me nuts. I'm telling you, they're going to drive me nuts. I'm a human being, right? Not everyone, just a few. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't say this. I, I can't say It's not right. I'm preaching. <laughs> I was joking with one pastor. He's too serious. One pastor, he couldn't be. He says, well, you know, uh, Pastor Carey, how can you be bitter at me? That's not right. You're a pastor. You can't be bitter at me. I said, yeah. I said, why? Because uh, if I'm not bitter at you, then I said, so I'm bitter at you, and I ask you to forgive me. Yeah, okay. See, I, always have, I like to have something they can ask you to forgive me of, so I'm helping you to forgive me. I, I, you have to have something against someone to have to be forgiven right see, well yeah so that's why i do it i just do it to give you a chance to to love me <laughs> too serious wound too tight but no so no how do you know god is pleased with me well the bible is clear read your bible and you, the bible says you ought to love other people if i if i'm honestly trying to love my family love my church do it right then god is pleased with your life it may not mean you may not have a lot of money in the bank account. You may not have much. But that doesn't mean God's against you. Doesn't mean God's not for you. Doesn't mean the favor is not on your life. But the psalmist says, I look at the world and I make a judgment call. and say, whoa, hold on here. This is how it should. No, 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 no. That's not the storyline you need to live by or think about. Well, we want a better life. Of course, we all do. Nothing wrong with that. But when we look at the world let me flip it this way, I want you to think about this because I'm gonna end with what I started with quickly. All that happens, a lot of times we look at things and we say this, that happened, this happened, the world, that guy who did that, who ran over those people, that guy who shot that person, that guy who robbed that lady, they're so wicked. Yeah? But their wickedness can drive you from them because you forget they're a soul. You see it, everyone's polarized. Democrats against Republicans, Republicans against Democrats, left against the right. Everyone has forgotten. And 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 sometimes I won't say none of this because people are so polarized. It's like, have we forgot that people are also a soul? Yeah, they may not believe exactly that. They, may, they believe things you hate. Okay, I'll give you that much. Yeah, there, some of their policies are insane. They're evil. Absolutely. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to say they're an, they're, that's evil. That's wrong. Absolutely. But I'm not going to let it drive me from them. I'm going to use it to be driven to them. I'm going to enter in. Because when we say that they're so evil, you know what we're really saying? We're not. You mean to tell me, since you've been saved, you haven't committed a thousand sins in your mind? Maybe just a million. Oh, really? They're sinful, but not you at all. They're so different. You can't relate to them. If they knew what you've been thinking these last year, you can relate. And we have to be very, very careful... Yeah, evil is evil. I'm not saying that. That is evil. That's wrong. That's wicked. Yeah, absolutely. But it can't so polarize us that we don't enter into the people we're trying to reach. You know, I have a, I'll share a quote and share a quick story. I have a tub you put cold water in it. I usually get it one of their brother, It's, it's almost never used, It's crystal clear water. I take a shower before I even get in it. And after a little bit of time, it gets dark. The sides get black. And the last time I drained it, I drained it, the sides were black, like black, like this. And, I, that's, and I'm clean, but it's so black. You look at it and say, how can that come from that? I'm not nearly as clean as I think I am. And neither are you. This man, he spoke, he's a Croatian, he went through all kinds of wars and seen tragedies happen. He spoke at the UN here's a quote. Listen to what he says. He's talking about his own heart. He said, I have to watch myself. And I say this, I'll read this because we all have to watch ourselves. This is what he says. He's a Christian. He said, there's poison that comes into my heart. When I forget this, when I look at all the problems, when I exclude the enemy from the community of humans, even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners, when I forget my enemy is not subhuman monster but a human being, and when I forget that I'm not perfect good, I'm also too a flawed person, lost like others you buy your heads. Jesus chose to enter in, and he knew in a few minutes he had raised him from the dead. That's the God who's for us. That's the God who loves us more than we'd ever realize. Some of you this morning may look at your life and say, Pastor, it's been really difficult. Don't think that God, don't use that as a measuring rod. Think God's mad at you, displeased with you. Why is it so difficult, Pastor, right now? My life is going the opposite of the way I wanted it to. Well, I believe we all want a better life, and I believe God can give it to us, but there are times and seasons where it's very difficult. Jesus offers Martha truth. Truth about what you believe. Because that's, that's, the, that's the bedstone of our life, church. It's what, what, Sister, do you really believe what you say you believe? Heaven's a real place. Hell's a real place. You're going to stand before God one day. All this means nothing. Do you believe that... Christ loves you and died for you. He died for your sins. He loved you enough that he would die and choose a life that would be a very hard life. He's a very short lived life, but it was a very hard life. It was not easy. And he chose to be tortured and brutally beaten for you. All out of love. He would go out simply saying to his God, to his father, it's to the world, it is finished. He didn't have to do none of that, but he did it. And he challenged, he gives you and me as the Christians, as the light in the dark world is that you and I choose to enter in. We don't choose to run away from the pain. But we choose to weep at those that weep. We forget that there are human, that, that soul is someone whom Christ died for. You're here this morning you're a christian say god you're talking to me about all different things just raise your hand quickly just raise your hand all over this place i see all these hands yes 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 above all church we're called to represent christ not a particular party we're called to represent the values of jesus christ we're called to live like him we're called to love like him Maybe you're watching me this morning, or you're in the congregation, you see, Pastor, my life's been difficult. I just need God to help me to stay strong. Maybe you just need strength this morning. Just raise your hand quickly. I see these hands. I need strength, Pastor. I need strength. I need to keep holding on. It's not easy. I, I need to hold on. I see all these hands. Maybe you're watching me or in the church. You've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to this morning. Would you lift up your hand before I close? Lift up your hand. Let's all stand in this place. Many, many hands raised. Just come and find a place to pray here this morning. Come and just talk to your God. Pour your heart out to Him. Talk to Him for a few moments before we dismiss. Hey folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.